Welcome to the 56th episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of the podcast, we will talk about Major League Baseball. Patrick will revise his MLB preseason predictions, and I will make mine with some midseason hindsight. And we'll have the latest installment of random, assorted, important news in the world of sports. Let's jump right in with a look at Major League Baseball, starting, as always, with the National League West. In the National League West, we have the Giants at the top, as they have been for a while now, although even though they won the race to 50 wins, they're now a tied by the Dodgers and also have been surpassed in wins by the Red Sox. Uh, We'll get to them later, but as I said, the Dodgers have tied the Giants in wins, although they are a half game back. Uh, The Dodgers, since their losing streak and their uh, series loss to the Padres, uh, they've won six in a row. Uh, Meanwhile, San Francisco has lost four in a row, including uh, a two-game sweep in L.A. that they lost to the Dodgers. Uh, They're 5-5 in their last 10 compared to L.A. 6-4. Obviously, the four losses come all from that four-game losing streak. Uh, And now L.A. is only a half game back, although the Giants are playing Arizona right now, so you'd figure that would be some easy wins, except for they did lose yesterday, so maybe not that easy. Um... Other than that, you have the Dodgers playing a four-game series at the Nationals right now, who were 13-4 and four, uh, in the last 17 games before the series started, lost the series opener against the Dodgers, but nonetheless still playing really well, and uh, Kyle Schroeder playing really well, too. Uh, we'll get to him, actually, later in this podcast. Uh, and then you have the San Diego Padres in third, two and a half games back. The Rockies in fourth, 16 games back. And the Arizona Diamondbacks in last, 28 and a half back. Obviously kind of skipped over the Padres there, but it does seem to be the Giants and the Dodgers, uh, the big players in the race right now. And then the Padres, they have been able to play at a decent level and stay at about this level behind the Giants and the Dodgers all year. But I don't remember the last time the Padres were in first place in this division, if they were this season at all. Um, And if they weren't this season, then they haven't been in many, many years, excluding the first five games of the season, probably. Uh, But I do I do think the Padres can still obviously contend for this division. I just don't think right now uh, that that it's worth talking about too much, although they are eight and two in their last 10. But again, still, that only gets you two and a half games back. And I would argue that the Dodgers are playing better at the moment, too. Yes, the Dodgers have rebounded nicely uh, from that Padres series, but they've got a little bit of a hurdle in front of them with some. uh potential trouble for, trouble for Trevor Bauer, who's now on administrative leave, and that could uh, cast a pall over the rest of the season for the Dodgers, or at least make it uh, a little bit more challenging for them. One other note, the Arizona Diamondbacks, congratulations. You broke your road losing streak at, God knows, 27 games or something like that. Uh, I don't remember what exactly what it was, but congratulations for finally winning a road game. Let's move over to the National League Central. In the NL Central, we have the Milwaukee Brewers at the top. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do a little bit of a spoiler. I'm not gonna talk about them. The Cubs are now six and a half games back. Milwaukee has won nine in a row. The Cubs have lost six in a row. So now we have a six and a half game difference from what was such a close division. I mean, literally a week, a week ago, ago. Yeah. Uh, and probably three or four weeks ago, what was a relatively close division, but with the Cardinals in the lead, who are now nine games back. Uh, so anyway, the Milwaukee Brewers, going to their actual records now, uh, are 49-33 and 33 on the season. Uh, again, as I said, have won nine in a row. They're 9-1 and one in their last ten. Uh, the Cubs, as I said, have lost six in a row, including, I think that still includes the three at the end of the week to the Dodgers, I want to say, from last weekend at least. Yeah, it, it, in terms of our podcast timeline, yes, it was. Series, yeah. Uh, yeah, after they threw that combined no-hitter, they 
did not win a game in that series, and I guess they got swept in their next series too, unless could be still ongoing. Uh, they are three and ten in their last, or three and seven in their last ten. You can't lose ten games uh, and win three in ten games. Uh, then you have the Cincinnati Reds at forty and forty, eight games back. Uh, then who are five and five in their last ten. Then you have the Cardinals, as I talked about before, now nine games back at forty and forty-two, and the Pittsburgh Pirates at twenty-nine and fifty-one, nineteen games back, uh, at four and six in their last ten. The Cardinals also four and six in their last ten. Uh, the All-Star starting announcement for Arenado probably doesn't lessen the blow of that at all. Uh, doesn't really help them uh, whatsoever. Individual contributions don't matter that much when the team isn't doing well. And I'm sure that the Dodgers will tell you uh, that they don't care that they have zero all-star starters because, well, they're in they're, they're a half game out. And I'm sure the Giants would tell you that they don't mind it either. Uh, they will tell the Braves in the NL East as we move on that they can take their third place in two all-star starters and nobody really cares. Uh, actually, I think it's three starters, is it not? Yeah, it's three starters. Uh, the Braves actually lead the league in all-star starters, yet are three and a half games back of the weakest division in baseball, which is pretty ironic. Uh, and I, we were talking about this last night a little bit, how the NL West has, I think Tatis is the only all-star starter yep. in the entire division. And that's from the third place team, even though you have uh, the second best record and the third best record in all of baseball in that division. Don't ask me how that happened. I, I don't know why all of a sudden, uh, I don't know how Muncie lost his lead on Freeman after... He actually, what, hit a Grand Slam? <laughs> I guess that was during the it's reveal, though. So, contest. Anyway, it is a popularity contest. And also, we do know that with Dave Roberts as the manager, uh, he's probably going to pick his own players. It'd be a little odd to not pick your own players. <laughs> um, but anyway, in the rest of the NL East, you do have the Braves uh, three and a half games back. As I said, 39-41 and 41 on the year. That puts them, as I said, three and a half games back of the New York Mets at 41-36. and 36. Although the Braves did beat the Mets 20-2 to earlier this week. So when we talk about run differential in this division, let's just say it's a little bit skewed from a, you know, a game. Uh, so it's a pretty interesting, um, it, this is where, this is where run differential starts to become less of an important indicator. Well, uh, when you can put, game. when you can put some asterisks on it. Yeah, but when you have teams that are already floating near it and they're floating near 500 too, it really does make it. It really does put a dent in the differential, uh, and then you have the Nationals in second, who, as I said, were thirteen and four in their last seventeen before the series against the Dodgers. Make that thirteen and five in the last eighteen after last night's loss to the Dodgers. Uh, Forty and thirty-nine, two games back. Then you have I kind of went in a really bad order here, so sorry if this is confusing. The Braves, as I mentioned before, three and a half games back. The Phillies at thirty-seven and forty-one are four and a half games back uh, of the New York Mets. And then you also have the Miami Marlins at the bottom, eight games back, 34 and 45. And let's just talk about run differential in this division. I love talking about run differential, but really in this division specifically, because it just does not make any sense. <laughs> and it's actually the reason why I didn't talk about it in the other two divisions, because at this point, it's kind of become a little bit worthless when you got this much of a skew. Um, the Marlins have the best run differential in this division by six. Over the Braves, they have a plus 21 run differential on the year. The Braves are plus 15. The Nationals are minus two. The first place team is minus three, which is fourth best in the division. And the Phillies are minus 24, yet somehow much better off than the Marlins are. 
I don't know how to explain it, although I do know that when I was looking at the scoreboard occasionally this weekend around the league, or maybe it was last weekend, there were a few games where it was, uh, where, where there were, I think the Mar- maybe it was a week ago, uh, the Marlins, I believe, won a game 13-1 to and then lost the next two games one nothing and 3-2, to so I guess that's just their entire season and that's how it's going. Um, I did mention the Braves winning 20-2 to over the Mets. Now, that will definitely get you to plus 15, which, take the game out. Actually, no, don't take the game out. Let's just say that that game had the exact same result as the two games that it was sandwiched in between in that series. Um, A 4-3 victory, and I think, what was a 3-2 victory, maybe a 5-3, something in that range. Let's say they won the game by two, to be fair. If they had won the game by two, they're minus one, and the Mets are, what, plus 15 on the year? So Uh, If it was a two-game margin, it would have been plus, plus 13. Yeah. Look, this is this is the, a little bit of the problem when it comes to using run differential like that. But again, you can look at multiple factors to evaluate a team. Uh, that one, you put an asterisk on the Braves being the best at run differential in this division. And obviously, the Marlins are just kind of one of those things where every stat has a little bit of an outlier, right? I mean, Max Muncy's nowhere close to the average lead in the league, probably almost 100 points off of it. And yet, he leads the league in on-base percentage. Why? Because he walks all the time. So... Happens with all stats. But anyway, uh, that's pretty much all you got for the NL East. It's really confusing. I I, I still kind of don't have a grasp on it. Obviously, the Nationals are the hottest team in the division now. But who knows what's going to happen when you start playing the Dodgers. Just ask the Giants about being hot and then playing the Dodgers. Typically, it doesn't work out for the team playing the Dodgers. Um, so a lot of things can happen here. I know the Braves and the Mets, obviously, because they're in the same division, play each other a lot more times this year. Uh, the Mets also have to play the Nationals a lot. So, and I, I also know that because they had a series canceled at the beginning of the year. So, look, they have a lot of playing each other going on in this division for the rest of the year. So, we'll just have to see what happens and see who's going to come out on top. Um, I won't tell you who my money is on right now because well, we're, we're doing gonna, that later. Yeah, I was say, we'll talk about this <laughs> I division. stopped myself. Yeah, we'll talk about this division and we'll talk about uh, our thoughts on it uh, a little bit in our next segment. So, that's it for the National League. Let's move on to the American League, starting with the American League West. In the AL West, as soon as you talked about the Astros being on a on a winning streak, they went on a two and five streak. I know that actually. Well, I would tell you to apologize to Astros fans, but I don't actually want you to do that because you know we're Dodgers fans. We don't really like the Astros yeah, there very was much. The Tigers, my hometown Tigers, that took it to the Astros. That is also true. And then it was my hometown team, the Baltimore Orioles. That's a complete joke. I'm not from Baltimore. <laughs> I've actually never been. That's a complete joke. Um, but. Yeah, I don't know how they got swept by the Orioles. Uh, Don't ask me. I I don't really, and I'm going to be honest, if anybody thinks I watched a single single second of any game in that series, that's that's comical. Because obviously, I would come into that series and say, oh, the Astros split with the Tigers? They're going to sweep the Orioles. And then as soon as the Orioles won the first two games, I went, oh, the Astros are in a slump. The Orioles are going to sweep the Astros, and I'm not going to watch that at all. So I didn't watch any of that series. Uh, I, I bet none of our none of our listeners watched any of that either. Um, I don't think Astros Orioles has been a series to watch in a long time. They're always on opposite ends of the spectrum, uh, but the Astros still do lead the league in run differential. After all of that, uh, the Dodgers are in second, pretty far behind actually, but not that far behind when you consider how quickly. I mean, we said it that Astros had a plus seventy seven run differential in a ten game, ten or eleven game span, so it could turn around quick. Uh, the A's are one and a half games back at 48 and 35. The Astros 49 and 30, 33. Uh, their run differential is plus 30. Pretty good. That's pretty standard. Uh, maybe low for their record. 
Then you have the Mariners who are the op- who are the complete opposite of run differential telling you how good a team is, especially how good a roster is because 43 and 39, I'll just say is um it's really a good example of the whole being I guess greater than the sum of its parts because let's be honest, the Mariners roster is not a 43 and 39 roster. No. Um when you consider that the Blue Jays are 41 and 38, uh, the Mariners should not have a, a, a better Yankees record. Forty-one thirty-nine. Well, I'm, I'll, we'll get to the Yankees later, but I will say the Blue Jays have three All-Star starters, and, not, and none of them were undeserving of it. And frankly, they have the league MVP until he's unseated right now. So I don't know how the Mariners, with their second best player hitting what two fourteen on the season, that being Kyle Seager, uh, are managing this. Frankly, I mean, it's look, they're minus 42 in run differential. There is no explanation. It's not like they've had really great pitching or really great hitting. They're pretty much in the middle of the league in both. Uh, but they are 7-3 and three in their last 10. They've won two in a row, which was actually against the Blue Jays, which is actually why I brought them up. Uh, and then you have, and there are six games back at 43-39. and 39. So, look, you play well, but no credit. It's not like you're in the Mets division where you'd actually probably, I think, be tied or ahead of them by a little bit. Uh, then you have the Angels, who are 39-41, and 41, nine games back. We know what Shohei Otani's doing, but without Mike Trout, it seems like this team just doesn't have enough. Although, pretty much every year, it feels like there's always three guys uh, and one other guy that's doing a lot but goes under the radar. And then the rest of the team, for some reason, they just can't string together anything all in the same game. And it's always an individual top-tier performance, but never anyone backing him up. I mean, An absence of starting pitching, too, I think. Well, that's also a problem, and they apparently tried to solve that. Um, but, you know, they were they were one of the teams that was favored to get Garrett Cole, and that didn't end up working out for them. They didn't get him, and all of a sudden, you bail out on one guy, and now your pitching staff kind of isn't really quality at all. I wouldn't even say not even top quality. It's not, it's not quality at all. Um, then you have the Rangers in last at 32 and 49, uh, the Rangers probably would even swap pitching staffs with the Angels, and the Angels would be fine with that as long as the Angels could te- could keep Shohei Otani's bat, probably. <laughs> um, and and they'd do away with his pit, maybe do away with his pitching, probably not. But uh, sixteen and a half games back, not close. Not going to eliminate them from the playoffs yet, because why? Why not? It, it, it's it's fun to not eliminate them. Houston versus Texas, that's fun rivalry. Houston versus its own state. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, the AL West is. Actually, one of the more straightforward divisions in the league. Yeah, I think it's the Astros and Oakland, and everybody else is an afterthought at this point. So, yeah. uh, let's move on to the AL Central. In the AL Central, we have the Chicago White Sox at the top at forty-eight and thirty-two, a plus ninety-five run differential. Even though their run, even though their uh, their run production has not been non-existent, but been pretty bad recently. Um, actually, for a long time, it has not been amazing. So, look. They're happy to be in the position they're in, I would say. Um, and they're 48-32 and 32 at the top of the division. Five games ahead of the Cleveland Indians uh, at 42-36. and 36. Uh, The White Sox winning their last four. The Indians losing their last three. I believe they're actually playing each other right now, but I might be... I actually know the Astros are playing the Indians. Um, then you have the Tigers moving up into third place in this division. At 36 and 45. Break up the Tigers. <laughs> 12 and a half games back. Uh, they've won two in a row. They're seven and three. It's a little different than the Mar- than the Mariners being in third place because they don't have the record of a third place right. team. They're below um, 500. There are many games below 500. They're just lucky that the other teams in this division aren't playing very well and frankly aren't very good except for the Twins. Um, and then you have the ever, ever, ever 
uh, perplexing team, perplexing the Minnesota Twins, 33-46. and 46, uh, 14 and a half games back. Lost their last three, five and five in their last ten. Uh, it's a confusing season for the Twins, and it's also going to be really confusing because let's talk about it. Look, we got a month left. Actually, less than a month. It's at the end of the month. What do the Twins do with Nelson Cruz at the trade deadline? Trade him. Um, it's in, it's an interesting conversation Probably because trade Josh Donaldson too. Well, it's an interesting conversation because look, they 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 might tell you that they think they can still be a contender. Um, and if you think that that's how you end up pretty much, that's how you end up in, in forever mediocrity, to be quite honest. Uh, it's happened to a lot of teams before. Uh, and then once you stay that mediocre, you never get better. And that's kind of a problem for some teams, but look, the twins might say that they've been so close recently. They've had great records, hundred win seasons. Uh, last year they, they had a really favorable matchups in the favorable matchup in the playoffs and lost to a sub-500 Astros team in the first round in, with every single game being at home uh, in that weird playoff format we had last year. So look, they've been really, really disappointing, as you said. Uh, and frankly, if they want to be a major contender in the future, it might be it might be time to start trading some people, especially old guys like Nelson Cruz. Because look, even if you have a future in the next five years, he's probably not going to be around to see the end of it. Uh, but that, And then you have... The Cincinnati Royals, who have fallen all the way to last, uh, 15 games back at 33 and 47. That could be what happens to the Mariners soon. Why did you call them the Cincinnati Royals? Because we were talking old-time oh, basketball did last I, night. I, did I really call yeah, them we that? we were talking um, about old-time basketball oops. teams. Uh, the Kansas City Royals. <laughs> Something in that logo, just the KC. I don't know why, but I saw, the C, I, I saw the C and then immediately assumed C, uh, Cincinnati. Anyway, um, there are also three logos that look exactly like that, and there are two of them in this division. Um... So you have the Kansas City Royals here, who 15 and a half games back at 33 and 47 have lost nine in a row, one and nine in their last 10. And look, this is what could happen to the Mariners. And this is what's so dangerous as we approach the trade deadline and that we're talking about. This is what I'm saying with the Twins. They might get a little overzealous and start trading everybody. And then all of a sudden they play well for two weeks and you're back in the divisional hunt. And you go, oh, I really wish we had Nelson Cruz still in the lineup, right? And now you have the Royals who have fallen this far behind. You think they're probably going to be sellers of the trade deadline if they have anything to sell. And the problem is, what if you start playing well again right after? Because remember, there was a point where this team had the best record in baseball, yeah, about 25 like, games in the season. Two months ago. Uh, but again, it's, the, it's, a, it's an interesting conundrum, and you never know what to do. The Mariners are in the same position, probably, I think, as the Royals. They probably have the same talent on their roster, to be quite honest. Uh, but they've been playing a lot better, but... Who knows if that will continue, and that team can't contend for a championship. Yeah, I don't think the Royals uh, think that they're going to not break up or not make a long-term trade uh, because they're contending this year. But No, I'm I'm saying that the Mariners aren't contenders even though correct. they have a positive record. Correct. Which is an interesting thing because maybe they want to make the playoffs because they haven't in a while, but at the same time, you're never going to win a championship if your goal is making the playoffs in a hard division. It's not going to happen. Yeah, well, the Mariners are, uh, no, they're way behind the, the, the yeah. second wild card race yeah. because of the teams fighting it out for the top of the American League East. How about that for a transition? Yes, every single team in this division decided to completely stack up their roster in the offseason, except for the Rays, who, ironically enough, were the team that made the World Series last year. Uh, they probably did more roster offloading last season than, than roster uploading. I don't think they added pieces positively, and even during the season... They traded away Willie Adamas. Uh, you trade away your starting shortstop from a World Series team 
you trade away one of your starting pitchers from a World Series team who won a Cy Young for you in the offseason, and they're still in second place, three and a half games back of the Red Sox at 51-31. and 31. The Red Sox are have won seven in a row, eight and two in their last ten. The Rays, meanwhile, are four and six in their, in their last ten. Uh, they have lost three in a row. The Blue Jays are eight and a half back of the Red Sox, five and a, five back of the Rays. They Those two teams play each other this weekend, uh, both taking at least two games lo- losing streaks into the weekend, although the uh, Toronto Blue Jays are seven and three in their last ten, so just a little bit of a downturn at the end of their series against Seattle. Maybe it was that YouTube game. Maybe that gives them some bad juju. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, then you have the New York Yankees in 41 at 41 and 39, nine games back. Uh Four and six on four and six in their last ten. Uh, surprisingly, a half game back of Toronto, but minus sixty seven from them in run differential, which just goes to show you sometimes teams get a little bit unlucky that their runs don't get spread out very much. Then you have the Baltimore Orioles at twenty seven and fifty four, twenty three and a half game back, uh, games back, uh, minus one hundred nine run differential. That is the second worst in the league. Um, but they did win three in a row, and they're four and six in their last ten. Meanwhile, let's go back to the top of this division. This is going to be a never-ending race. I don't know who's going to win this division. You got the Red Sox, you got the Rays. Those are probably the two favorites right now. Uh, But the Yankees are probably more talented than both of those teams and have more to spend and probably have more prospects to unload at the trade deadline if they want to make their roster even better. We'll see what they're doing. They already got Tim Locastro for a reliever. Uh, They've already started making deals and we're a month away, so... But then again, Toronto made a deal to get a reliever who I'm blanking on the name of and Joe Panic already. So, look, or they traded away Joe Panic. So, look, Adam Simber is the re- reliever's name. There you go. Came into my head immediately. Um, But anyway, there's a lot of things that could happen in this division. A lot of these teams are going to be major players at the trade deadline. Definitely major buyers, not any major sellers. Except maybe the Orioles. Except the Orioles, yes. Uh, but this division's a really interesting one. But speaking of the AL East, you're going to take us into our next segment right now. Yes, good transition for you. Thanks for that handoff. So continuing uh, with MLB, um, although the Major League Baseball All-Star break is not for another 10 days, we're actually at the midpoint of the 2021 MLB season with, most teams, having, yeah, with most teams playing approximately 81 games. Um, so we thought it'd be time to revisit Patrick's preseason predictions, uh, see if he has any revisions to those predictions based upon what he's seen. And I, this time, will offer it my own since I chickened out at the beginning of the year. Patrick, take it away. Yeah, you seem to have a special knack for dodging making predictions anyway. Um, before the season, I had the New York Yankees winning the AL East. In the AL Central, I had the Chicago White Sox. And in the AL West, I had the Houston Astros. So let's talk about who I have now. Uh, I will... I, I'm obviously not going to stick with New York uh, with how they've been playing. Let's go with the Red Sox. Uh, although I will say, in terms of their their viability as a contender, when you see the Washington Nationals come from the come from the wild card and just dominate the whole postseason with with really great pitching and win a World Series off of it, this team is the exact opposite. Uh, maybe getting Chris Sale back from Tommy John surgery, which he says might happen sooner rather than later, uh, it could help this team out. But look. There is really no number one starter on this team, and in general, it's just kind of a mess of pretty average starters, which probably won't be too bad when their lineup is so far above average. Uh, I definitely think they will win this division, but I'm a little concerned of their viability as a title contender. But what do you what do you think? Uh, you know, I had a tough time with this one. Uh, I never 
would have predicted the Red Sox to start the season. So maybe because I didn't predict anything at the beginning of the season. And at the beginning of the season, I probably would have taken the Yankees. So I'm going to split the difference. And I'm going to say the Yankees are spoilers for the Red Sox. The Rays take the division. The Red Sox get the wild card. So let's move on to the American League Central. Patrick, what are you doing? I picked the White Sox before the season. They're five games up. Uh, I've been I, I've loved how they've played this season, so what am I going to do? I'm going to stick with the White Sox. Yeah, nobody's beating the White Sox in this division. There's not much of a discussion in my mind. So, American League West. Uh, yeah, although I will say before the season I had some debate with the White Sox and the Twins, right. but now, but exactly, that was the viable team to challenge them, and now they have no challengers. Yeah. Um, but yes, moving on to the AL West, uh, this division I struggled with the Astros or the A's, and look, the Astros are up one and a half. I was frankly, if I had to revise them, I was thinking at the beginning of the year, I'm going to go with whoever's leading when I'm revising them because that's probably an indication of who will continue to lead because frankly, it's a, it was a toss-up at the beginning of the season. It's a toss-up now. Uh, so I'll stick with the Astros because I did pick them before the season. Uh, and I think it would sound a little biased if I picked against them after after them being... Two and five in their last seven, and still maintaining a one a one and a half game division lead. Yeah, the Astros lineup is stacked. Oakland always feels like it's just piecing together stuff with you know sticks and bubble gum. Um, that they're just quite good enough to make the playoffs and be respectable, but they but never lineup, quite good enough to win a division. Yeah, and they yeah. don't. The lineup doesn't scare me. So uh, look, absent a nuclear bomb hitting the lineup of the Astros, <laughs> I think they have too much firepower. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna join you and say the Astros. Um, so let's move over to the National League. Prior to the start of the season, in the National League East, Patrick, you picked the Braves. In the National League Central, you picked the Cardinals. And in the National League West, you picked the Dodgers. So who do you have now in the NL East? Are you going to stick with the Braves? No, I will not stick with the Braves. Uh, mostly for the interest of actually, you know, making these predictions different. But also because the Braves have been incredibly underwhelming. And while I kept saying for maybe, maybe until 50 or 60 games into the season, I was talking about how... I felt like they had the ability to bounce back and, and play better going forward. I then kind of changed my stance and, and realized they kind of don't. I mean, it's not like they're, it's not like their roster can't be an above 500 roster. It's not like their roster isn't good. It's just that at this point in the season, they, they would have had to have turned it around at some point. And it's not even like the Dodgers where they had that little 5-15 and 15 streak. It's not like they've had another one since then. Look, the Dodgers have been... Maybe, yeah, barring a four-game losing streak here and there, but look what they're doing right after it, right? That's what championship contenders do. The Braves haven't gone on long losing streaks, but they haven't gotten, I don't think, a single winning streak of above five or six games this entire season, and I need to see that out of them for me to pick them. So, for now, I'm going to go with the Mets, although I will say, I don't really, if I get this pick wrong, I won't be surprised one bit. Um, I'm going with the Braves. I think that over the long... 162-game season, the talent and the results will even itself out. Looking at your favorite statistic, run differential, the Braves are plus 15 in run differential. I know we talked about it probably because of one game. Um, but Against uh, each other. <laughs> yeah, the Mets are negative three. The Nationals are minus two. I, the, the, the Braves haven't found their stride yet, but they're still only three and a half games out, and they just have too much talent throughout the long haul of the season. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with the Braves and think that they're going to rebound and eke this one out. 
Although you could make the argument that the Mets have actually not played up to their talent level either because they've lost way too many DeGrom starts and Lindor hasn't started hitting until a few weeks ago. That's a good point, and that's part of their research. Which is part of the reason why I'm picking them, because they've not played to their potential and they're still above 500. All right, well, in the Central, are you sticking um, Are you sticking with the, the Cardinals? Of course I'm sticking with the team that's 40 and 42 <laughs> and nine games back in the division. Absolutely not. I'm going with the Brewers. Um, I actually had a tough time before the year picking between the Cardinals, the Brewers... And slightly the Cubs and the Reds. I mean, not really did I think about that for an extended uh, period of time. But I can tell you what, when I thought about the Dodgers being able to beat out the Diamondbacks for the NL West, it was about uh, a half a second. When I thought about the Cardinals' ability to beat out the the Reds and the Cubs, it was probably at least 10 or 15 seconds. Um, When I thought about them beating the Brewers, I probably took... Five, ten minutes. It was really a struggle. And look, I picked the wrong one, okay? I'm going with the Brewers. Uh, Their pitching has somehow been better than what it looked like coming into the season. Uh, Corbin Burns has been just as good as expected. And Brandon Woodruff has, frankly, probably surpassed expectations by a little bit. Uh, And then Josh Hader has been pretty much unhittable all year. And Devin Williams had a rocky start. Was at like a 60 RA through like 20 games or something. And now is at 3.38. He was obviously the best reliever in the league last year. Uh, with, I think, a .39 ERA or something like that, something ridiculous. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the Brewers. They pitch really well, and frankly, that bodes well for them in October, too. Yeah, this division, I just can't bring myself to pick the Brewers, but then you look down in, in the rest of the division, you see the Reds at 500. I don't think the Reds have enough uh, to, to win the division. The Cardinals, as we've talked about, have been a major disappointment. Have enough to win the division, but not, but not looking it. like it. They're, they're two games below 500. And then, so that leaves either the Brewers or the Cubs. And for some reason, I just don't see the Brewers doing it. Um, the Cubs, until last, as we talked about, until a week ago, they looked like they were out in front. I'm going to say that the Brewers are peaking right now. Their pitching doesn't hold up, and the Cubs uh, find a way to win this division. I also want to set up a bunch of revenge playoff series for the Dodgers. So <laughs> that will set that up nicely. So then I've kind of previewed what I'm saying, and I, don't, I think any of our viewers know, viewers, our viewers know and our listeners really know, that we're Dodger fans. So let's move to the NL West and see if there's any big surprises here. You picking the Dodgers again? Well, I will say, I actually did think about for a little bit picking the Giants because it is true that when you look at it from an objective point of view, they have controlled this division for most of the year. But at the same time, after the Dodgers go on a streak that they're not, a slump that they're not going to go on again, uh, it seems like they're starting to be healthy. And even without the guy who won the World Series MVP last year, Corey Seager, it doesn't matter. They're only a half a game back. They just got a two-game sweep of the Giants. And look, you look at it, the Dodgers had so many extra inning games and one-run games that they lost um, with with, all the injuries. In, with, when they were really injured. Now, now that the team is back, you think maybe they can pull off some more comebacks. They could be down in a game and you really feel like they actually have a chance, I'd say, early in the season. Yeah, I mean, they could I didn't feel like that. to one to Washington in the sixth inning and maybe just, you know, have like a nine-run okay. outburst. Okay, good job. Uh, good, good job previewing what's going on right now. Um, yeah, ha 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 ha. Anyway, uh, I do believe that it is, it is possible that the Giants can win this division, but when you talk about, I mean, you talked about it with the Braves. Sometimes the talent will just come to show the results and look four game losing streak. They just lost to Arizona. Nobody does that. Uh, the Dodgers haven't lost a game to Arizona all season long already. And they played half the season series already. So it's very clear to me that the Dodgers are more talented now the Giants actually have to deal with their injury bug because, let's face it, everybody has been injured this year. Uh, it's not just the Dodgers. It's just the Dodgers who have had 
major high profile ones because they have the most high from major high profile and they also have the most high profile roster so it's very so it's very easy to say that all of their guys are injured because well they're all high profile guys frankly um but every team's been dealing with it frankly except for the giants and now they have belt out they have longoria out uh now they're starting to deal with it and it looks like it's not going very well for them so far all right well i'm obviously picking the dodgers although uh, this Trevor Bauer situation means the Dodgers are not going to run away with it in my mind. In my mind, he was just like added in insurance policy for an injury they've already had. And they had the Dustin, Dustin May, May injury, yep. So they've sustained all the injuries they can to the starting pitching staff. So they're not going to run away with it like I thought they would. They're going to win the division, but they still have the same starting uh, rotation that got them last year. You know, just to, what if I just, well, they don't have Dustin May, but what if I just threw a random thought in here? What if the Dodgers bring back an old face from a t- from a struggling team just to help out this year and maybe pitch out of the bullpen a little bit? It's a guy I know in Minnesota named Kenta Maeda who might or might not be available uh, and could probably be d- traded for at a pretty decent price. Um, the Dodgers have been known to pick up guys from the Twins, obviously because they traded Kenta there last uh, two years ago. Uh, look, Maybe it maybe it happens because also every single postseason the Dodgers were in, he was pitching out of the bullpen, even though he was a starter for the majority of the year. You could end up having the same thing. Uh, I don't know if the dot maybe when when the bullpen gets healthier, but there's three or four guys that are on the sixty day IL right now. So having a bullpen day every fifth every fifth game, like you said, would make this race a lot closer if Bauer were to be out and we already have Dustin May out. So look. It, it will stay close, which is why I'm saying I don't say that the Giants have no chance, and I don't think the Padres have no chance either. Yeah, no, I think it ends up being Dodgers, Padres, Giants at the end of the day, but let's move on. So previously, you'd pick the Dodgers and the Yankees uh, in the World Series with the Dodgers winning in six games. What? Who do you now predict to be in the World Series and win the World Series? Well, same amount of games. Definitely not the same team. Frankly, I'm not sure the Yankees are making the playoffs. I wouldn't bet on that right now at all. Um, I would even bet on the Blue Jays having a better chance, and they're not even the second-best wildcard team, in my opinion. Uh, so I will change it. Look, it's really hard because none of these teams in the AL have great pitching staffs. It, it, it seems like like the Dodgers, it's it's so obvious, right? It seems as if they have the best lineup. Uh, you could say they probably have the best rotation, too, even if Bauer's not even there at the end of the year. Kershaw and Bueller last year pretty much carry the load, and won it for them last year. And then you have Urias, who was a major part uh, out of the bullpen, who will now be a starter on that rotation. Uh, so there's a lot of things that, there's a lot of there's a lot of pieces that could play into this, but the Dodgers have the pitching and the hitting. So they're definitely going to get there. They're definitely going to win. And I'm going to say they win in six games over the Chicago White Sox, because really I am picking Boston versus White Sox versus Astros. I'd say the Astros are the best pitching, the Bo- Boston has the best hitting, but the White Sox aren't far behind the Astros in in pitching, uh, and they're not fi- far behind the Reds, Red Sox in hitting. So overall, most balanced team I'm going to go with since there's no really dominant pitching staff on any of those three teams, and all the lineups are really productive from all those three. All right, well, I, I, as I mentioned, my division winners, um, I had both Atlanta and the Cubs, uh, teams that the Dodgers have faced and beaten in the postseason recently. Um, I'm going to continue that trend in the World Series. Dodgers-Astros, with Dodgers avenging the 2017 cheating, I mean loss, to the Astros with a win in six games. Time to close the books on that chapter of Dodgers-Astros history. Um, Dodgers-Astros, Dodgers in six. So that wraps up our uh, look at Major League Baseball in particular, although our next segment, which is 
random assorted important news in the world of sports. Has a lot of baseball features. Has a lot of baseball in it. All right, let's start. uh, Actually, not in baseball, which is kind of funny because it's actually the only non-baseball topic we have. Um, We talked about Naomi Osaka, Simona Halep, and Rafael Nadal not playing in Wimbledon. And now defending champion Serena, or not defending champion, that was a tie, that was a mistype from Halep before. Uh, Serena Williams has withdrawn from the tournament due to leg injury, although she's not a defending champion, but she's mul- won it multiple times. Um, and obviously every single year she's one of the one of the heavy favorites. Uh, she withdrew in the first round. Uh, that was earlier this week, I think actually literally the day after or even the day of our last recording. Uh, so First uh, round. Yeah, in the first round she withdrew. Uh, you had Roger Federer moving forward. Uh, in the first round, actually, after being down 2-1 to one in a match uh, in sets and then winning the fourth set, and after the fourth set, his opponent had to withdraw. Um, common thread, these matches are on center court, and they've had a lot of issues, it seems, with the grass there. A lot of people have been saying it, it's been the most slippery it's ever been, uh, and even the court with the uh, with the roof on it can be affected by the rain, especially because maybe it gets they try to water it and it gets a little too watered. Uh and so, humidity in the air. Right, of course. So uh, anyway, that that's that's what we got in Wimbledon right now. There are a lot of top seeds who have actually lost, but that was the most important one, and obviously because it's due to injury, it's important. Uh, although Novak Djokovic is still in Wimbledon, so probably assume we know who our winner is. Uh, then moving on to baseball, the first baseball topic, definitely not the last. Trevor Story, Trey Mancini, and Salvador Perez have been newly confirmed candidates. Uh, not candidates, but participants in the 2021 Home Run Derby. Uh, they have all been confirmed in the last week. The MLB doesn't have much time to confirm those last three. Uh, I threw out Perez a long time ago talking about, let's make it seven young guys and one vet to take it all. Um, we're, we're, we're nearing there. We have Shohei. Story and Mancini are not old, but they're definitely not young either, I would argue. Uh, so look, there's a good balance of guys in this in, in the Home Run Derby. We'll see who else they get. Maybe Max Muncy. That's just a guess. Uh, they have three guys left, and look, they probably want to get them from some bigger teams because let's be honest, I don't think the Home Run Derby is going to be very appealing to people if they see Rockies, Orioles, and Royals as as three of the five teams represented. Uh, probably not that interesting. Yeah, I need some big market names. They, they definitely do. and I mean, they do have Shohei Otani, who's definitely polarizing, but even not even on the best team in his city. <laughs> Um, so maybe they slide in Max Muncy, who knows what they're going to do. And now let's move on to college baseball and we'll continue with college for a little bit after that. Mississippi state won the college world series over Vanderbilt. We had both predicted Vanderbilt to be in the college world series finals. You had predicted them to lose, I believe to Texas. And I had believed I had predicted Vanderbilt to win the in the in-state matchup with Tennessee who lost pretty early on in the tournament. Uh, surprisingly, that was Mississippi State's first team national title ever in any sport. I, I, I feel like they might be the most high-profile school to not have a title in any sport because even when you think about some of the other schools, I mean, you probably wouldn't know this, but by the way, before Vanderbilt won a baseball championship, they actually won a championship in bowling. So, look, pretty much <laughs> every— team sport? Yes, it is a team sport. Uh, actually, every, every, single, every single college that you could think of has— a random title that you don't know about. So look, good for Mississippi State. Congratulations to the Bulldogs. Uh, and congratulations to all of the NCAA and every single athlete in it for the monumental decision that has happened. Uh, the The NCAA is now allowing name, image, and likeness to be profited off of by athletes. 
Uh, we've seen only a lot. The, don't congratulate the NCAA. They only did it. I, the I congratulated the athletes, not the NCAA. You said, oh, you, I thought, sorry. They, they uh, were, I'm not congratulating they, the NCAA. They only did ever. it after the Supreme Court ruled their practices unconstitutional. Sorry right. to interrupt. Um, but of course, look, there's been a lot of stuff this week. Uh, many different media organizations like Barstool Sports have talked about signing athletes themselves. Uh, there were two. There were two women's basketball players from Fresno State who were on a Boost Mobile billboard at Times Square literally the day after. Jordan Bohannon from Iowa was did a raffle for some shoes that he hit a game-winning shot in against Wisconsin. Um, he was he was also doing that. He was also signing autographs for $10 at a fireworks store at the same time, which was the raffle tickets. Look, there's a lot of things going on. A lot of people uh, joining different companies, gaming companies, getting different sponsorships. Uh, you probably see a few guys maybe even sign with some of the apparel brands such as Nike pretty soon. It, it might be possible. Um, a lot of guys have have been have been uh, benefiting off of this, and it's great to see. Uh, I know there was also on a, on a much smaller end, but a pretty important end. There was a Marshall football player, I believe, an offensive lineman, who is now allowed to play his country music under his own real name, which I think is ridiculous that that wasn't allowed before. But that's an interesting, different thing. He can now profit off of his concerts for playing country music to his Marshall fans. Uh, there's a lot of different people with a lot of different talents in all of the NCAA. There have been so many cases in the past where people have had to choose their sport over uh, really money-making opportunities that they might not get again, and sometimes those choices didn't turn out well for people. This also b brings up the question of returning Reggie Bush's trophies, uh, returning uh, wins from the Fab Five. You could even argue some vacated wins from other teams too. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, <laughs> there's a lot of holes that this opened up. Uh, but look, it is true that the NCAA's practices have been pretty shady for a long time. And frankly, I think they should um, unvacate a lot of that stuff because it was never right to be there in the first place. Yeah, the NCAA for years talking about, the, oh, the principles of amateurism, blah, blah, blah. And it really, it was all just a facade to keep the money out of the hands of everybody else and keep it in the NCAA's coffers. So congratulations to student athletes everywhere. Uh, let's hope this is just the tip of the iceberg in terms of a bunch of reforms for the well-being of these student athletes who really are the backbone upon which the NCAA's billion dollar industry, multi-billion dollar industry is founded. And I'll stop pontificating so you can give us our last little note here before we wrap up. Well, I actually have two more because I did a little writing candidate because I forgot about him. Um, but Hector Santiago, now going back to the MLB, has become the first player to be suspended 10 games under the new sticky substance rules. Uh, interestingly enough, they did, they actually did say that it was just rosin, which actually the umpire approved rosin, but the issue was you're now not allowed to have those substances inside of your glove, which is an interesting new provision that they added in. And because of that, he got suspended. They took the glove away in the middle of the game. They said they found something inside of it. Uh, they sent it away to a lab and guess what? They never actually tested it for what substance it was, which is also pretty funny. Uh, but anyway, it was rosin mixed in with some sweat from his arm, but it was inside of his gloves, so they ruled that illegal. So you Don't ask me why, so but... So he was illegally using a legal substance. Yes, just because it was inside of his glove, which I, I, I guess, well... But it does say in the rules, to be fair, it does say very, very clearly that no matter what substance it is, it can't be concealed because uh, well, they consider out, that MLB, hiding With it. the NCAA out of the way, you might be the most <laughs> ridiculous organization in sports now. <laughs> ah, no, you got FIFA, U.S. Olympic Committee... All right, There's you got a, a you got a lot more to go yeah. through, so let's not let's not let's not do that right now. WBO. Um, you have Kyle Schwarber now, who has put himself in elite company. Uh, specifically, that company is Sammy Sosa and Barry Bonds, 
for the most home runs in, I believe, a 16-game span. I forget the number if it's 18 home runs in a 16-game span or 16 home runs in an 18-game span, but it did put him in company with those guys who, by the way, had the most home runs in the league uh, at the end of those years. Although, look, this year is probably the toughest year to try to get to try to win that title, right? Uh, especially with Vlad Jr. and Fernando Tatis. Look, he's got some tough competition, but after a really slow start to the year, he's in. I think he's tied for second, uh, barring any injuries, well, which he, I think he did get injured yeah. today. But we'll see how we'll see how serious that is. Um, look, Tatis has dealt with two, three, two or three injuries already this year, so wouldn't be uncommon. Um, but and you got Shohei Otani, who's obviously pitching too, and has had a pretty up and down career with injuries himself. So look. We'll have to see what happens with that. Um, it'll be an interesting discussion for the rest of the year. I don't think he's going to win it, but we'll see what happens. Definitely a great story, not only just in terms of what a great month he's had, but you know, turning turning his his career around where uh, he was struggling for a while. I guess he made a bunch of changes in his approach in the off season uh, to his swing, and it's it's proving beneficial. Uh, and also, not to mention, he's the first probably leadoff hitter ever who who could lead the league in in home runs, yeah, and, and also a big change in philosophy having a, a twenty five home run hitter at the All Star break leading off. Well, he wasn't a twenty five home run hitter he, as a leadoff hitter. He didn't start hitting the home runs until they he moved swapped. into the yes. leadoff yes, spot. Yes, that's and kind true. Of, yep. I think mentally that had him just focus on getting on base. Yep. All right. Well, that ends this edition of the Fourth and Twenty Four podcast. Please join us for our next pod next podcast, which will be on Monday. July 5th, where we will have our weekly look back at the latest NBA action and see the accuracy of Patrick's weekend predictions, which are found on our website, uh, along with his other content, including his Major League Baseball power rankings. That's all at 4thand24.com, www.the4thand.com. Thank you for listening.